We're gonna start a new series that I'm super excited about. And we're gonna talk about the authority of the believer. This is a huge, this is a huge series for such a time as this. So get ready because there's gonna be things the Lord has already been speaking to me is gonna be birthing in you. There's gonna be things that you've been putting up with in your life that you will say no more. And, and you'll learn, we're gonna learn how to walk in the authority that Jesus Christ has given us. I'm telling you, you have no idea who you are in him and the authority that you have in the earth over everything that could come against you. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 512 that his favor, it crowns us like a shield. And if you study favor in the Bible, you see that it changed laws, it opened doors, it was amazing. You know, there's a Rhema minister, he's been ministering for years, I can't think of his name. Uh, he was a drug dealer and killed a, a Texas state trooper. I can't remember his name. But um, this guy, uh, you know, he got saved in prison. And he was just no parole possibility at all. And the Lord started speaking to him. And he started telling, speaking it, going, I'm going to get out of here. And, you know, he was, uh, Rama was sending him information. And, and this guy just got on fire for God. And he was pardoned by the governor of the state of Texas and uh, has been preaching the gospel. I, I, this is, it's the favor of God. There's something very special upon you. And know this, see, when we teach on, when we teach on authority, we can't just teach on authority because you have to understand, you have to know and gain revelation that you are righteous that you've been made righteous. So it stands on, you have to know who you are. So while we teach on authority and all these principles, and they'll become very easy, they'll become very simple for you to lay hold of. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's the teacher. There's an anointing upon the word of God that will lift burdens off of you, that will expose lies of the enemy so that they lose their power over your life but also you'll discover who you are in Christ. We're not just, you know, he's not just the king and we're his subjects. No, no, no. He's our father. Jesus is our Lord. We're his children. We're his brother. And we have been given his authority in the earth. We are, in other words, the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures to you today to lay a foundation, and then we're going to start to build precept upon precept upon this. So this will be a great series for you to go back, for you to take notes on. If you'll notice, it's not real easy to take notes in church. But, but what's good, you know, you could take notes. Don't be afraid if you miss some things. Everything you can go back and listen to. You know, have you, did you ever notice in the parable of the sower, the whole parable is about he who has ears to hear. Well, who had ears to hear? Jesus taught a parable, and then Jesus left with his disciples. And then some of them came up to him afterwards and said, hey, 
can you explain this? So in other words, when they were, all these people are standing there hearing the parable of the sower, and they're probably going, wow, what an anointing, this is amazing. I really have no idea what he's saying, right? But there were, there was, because the Holy Spirit was present, there's spiritual impartations. In our church, in our church services, listen, more is being caught that is being taught. You're catching things. But the ones who had ears to hear went back and said, hey, I've got some questions. Can you explain this? And of course, Jesus is like, yeah. And then he explained it. And then he said, to you guys, to you guys who have ears to hear, to you guys who were so hungry, you couldn't go home and eat dinner. You came back to hear more for me to explain it and ask me questions. For, for you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. So don't be afraid to go back. You know, like my wife has said for 31 years, she's never found my off button. <laughs> but I have one. So if you listen to me, I mean, literally, you could be listening to a sermon, watching it on your computer or on your phone, and if you get hungry and want to just go get a break and have a break and get something to eat, you can just shut me up. You just, boom, pause. <laughs> right? But this is what will happen when you listen to this. When you go back and listen to these messages, what will happen is God will make them your message. There will be other scriptures that will come to your mind. He will speak things to you to equip you for what? To go do the work of the ministry. Do you know right now as never before, we have to do the work of the ministry, right? We're an end time church and, and, and everything just kind of went to a whole new level here in the last 12 months. God wants to raise up people to get involved in local government national government, right? He wants to raise up ministries and churches. He, he, wants to, he wants his people moving in the earth, reaping a harvest. And so that all flows out of being equipped. Amen? So Genesis chapter 1, let's start in verse 26. And let's go back to the beginning so that we could lay a foundation here. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said... Let us make man in our image. The Hebrew word for image would be in our resemblance. And then God said, let us make man after our likeness. This Hebrew word means conduct. It means function. It literally is talking about how you behave. Let's make man in our image, in our resemblance, and let us make man to function and conduct themselves and behave like us. What's interesting about just those first few words is you must know your image to walk in your likeness or resemblance. You have to know who you are. You have to know who you are Actually, your behavior flows out of that. In other words, holiness deals with behavior, but holiness flows out of righteousness, which is who you are. Okay? And it says here, look at what, look at what God says, and let them have dominion. So the first thing that God said to this man that he created is let them have dominion. Dominion. This Hebrew word means the right and power 
to rule and govern. The right and power to control. Not just the right, but the power. See, if a police officer pulls you over and he, he has the right to tell you to get out of your car. He has a badge, right? He has been, he's been put in place. He has the right to do it, but you know, in case you ever wonder, he also has a Glock 9mm, which gives him the power to get you out of the car. You have the right... You've been given dominion. See, we're talking about the original creation, but where we're going is this is a picture. Jesus got all this back for us. Not only the right, but the power to govern, to control, to rule. This word literally means let them have sovereign authority. Adam and Eve were to have, and man was to have sovereign authority in the earth in the same way that God has sovereign authority in heaven. Literally, the Garden of Eden was to spread over the whole earth. But Adam and Eve were given, right at the beginning, sovereign authority. Right? What is taught in the church today? God is sovereign. Well, is he? Absolutely is. But let's, let's teach this right because we take sovereign, we go, God is sovereign, which is right. And then we start making stuff up that sounds religious. So if God wants to heal my body, he just will. And if God, if God, uh, if he wants me to live, you know, everybody, it, it, when, my, when my time is up, then he's going to take me. And you know, the baby that died, well, you know, God has a bigger plan for that. He just took that baby. No, no, Satan took that baby. But God received that baby, and that baby's okay today. Right? And we'll see that baby again. But it wasn't God who did it. Rule number one of sovereignty, and we're probably going to get into a whole, we might spend some time on this. I love teaching on this. Rule number one of sovereignty in the earth is man's will trumps God's will. If you don't believe me, did you ever feel like God wanted you to do something and you just didn't do it? Did God make you do it? Did you ever go out and, and commit? Now, don't raise your hand. Just look all holy, right? Did you ever commit something that just completely violated the rules and laws of God or the rules and laws of the earth? Right? Did you ever, I mean, could you, could you go rob a filling station if you wanted to right now? You could. God wouldn't stop you. Right? Why? Because your, your will trumps his will. But this is why he says, embrace my will. Because I'm life. So it says here, let them have dominion over, now he's going to give some parameters, over the fish of the sea. For all you fishermen, that's pretty cool. Call them in, right? <laughs> over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over, now he's starting to get broad here, over all the earth. Wait a minute. I have, I have power and authority to govern over all the earth. Wow. Over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth, 
I love that part because guess what Satan does? Satan, what he been doing? Walking to and fro in the earth. He's creeping around on the earth. It's what he's always been doing. You have authority over him. And upon, uh, and it says, everything that creeps upon the earth, and God blessed them, verse 28, skip down to verse 28 for time, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Now this opens up a whole can of worms that we won't get into. He didn't say fill the earth, he said refill it. The word replenish in the Hebrew language means bring bring life back to something that was once alive. Well, what was here before? Was man here before? No, it wasn't man. But something else was here. We don't know how. Between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, we have no idea how long that was. Right? We talked about that a little bit. So here we go. Replenish the earth... And then it says this, and subdue it. This Hebrew word subdue means conquer it, bring it under permanent subjection, and disable it from future, what, resistance. So there was something in the earth. Well, we know it was Satan. God is telling them, listen, in your dealings with this this fallen angel, I've given you authority. You conquer him. You bring him under permanent subjection. When Satan said, when he was in, when Satan was in the garden and started talking to Eve, Eve should have said, just what we should say to the enemy, shut up and get out. The Bible says, give no place to the devil, right? Bring it bring him under permanent subjection, disable him from any future resistance. In other words, Adam and Eve, don't let him mess with you. You keep him down, right? I cast him out of heaven, and and you keep him down in the earth. So then it says here, and subdue it and have dominion. Again, the right and power to govern, to rule, sovereign authority over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So we see that man originally was literally created, he was ordained, and he was appointed to have dominion in the earth. This is why for a Christian, when you're beaten down by circumstances because you're entertaining wrong thoughts and you're living out of your flesh and you're looking at natural things, it creates great inner turmoil in your spirit because your spirit has been created to dominate, to have dominion and to subdue. And it's frustrating. In your flesh and in your unrenewed mind, you're going, what am I going to do? Your spirit is going, this is not right. So this is why this message will become so alive to you if you have ears to hear. Now you could sit here and not have ears to hear, but if you have ears to hear, it'll change your life because it'll connect with you on the deepest level. You'll, you'll know that I'm created to have this. 
And you'll be sitting there and all of a sudden there will rise up a frustration and a godly frustration and anger. And you'll be like speaking to your body, speaking to your circumstances. Satan, you can't have my kids. Satan, you you know, this is changing. Right? This is the way it works. God gave man, if you'll notice, he gave him the parameters of his authority that he gave them. He, He told them the exact parameters of it. So now, jump over, you're in Genesis chapter 1, jump over to Genesis chapter 2 in verse 16. You guys doing okay? Is this okay? Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Now we know Adam did not die the day he ate the fruit. If you look at the ancient Hebrew dialect, this phrase, and you shall surely die, it literally would read, in dying, you shall die. So literally, Adam The moment he ate that fruit, he died spiritually. He was now dead and separated from God. But it took over 900 years for that spiritual death to produce physical death and kill his body. Right? That's what, in dying you shall die. Now jump down to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, and let's look at what happened next. It says, now the serpent, this word serpent can be translated snake. Its major translation is tempter. And it gives you a picture of how the tempter tempts. One who deals with or puts thoughts in the mind. So we focus, because we're so natural... Every story in the, about the Garden of Eden, they focus on the snake. But we forget, no, 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 it can be translated snake, but the, the foundational translation of that word is tempter. One who throws thoughts into the mind. Isn't that interesting? Do you know how Satan, the only, the wiles of the devil, the one way he comes against us. We read this under New Testament truth and we completely understand. How is Satan coming against you today? He's going to throw thoughts. He always throws thoughts. How did he do it with Jesus in the wilderness? He didn't didn't grab Jesus, take him up to the pinnacle of the temple physically. No, he did that in his thoughts. And you're thinking, well, then that wasn't a real temptation. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, real temptation. Because your mind doesn't know, it doesn't know fantasy from reality. Right? You've heard the story about the college fraternity guys that grabbed one of the guys in the fraternity to ripped off his shirt, put him down on his stomach. I can't remember what school it was. Uh, heard it years ago. I mean, years and years ago, like the 80s, back when dinosaurs ruled the earth, you know. <laughs> and uh, they, they put him down and they held him down and then they showed him a knife that was red hot, it had put, been put on the fire, was red hot. And then they walked around his back with the knife. And what, they, what he didn't know, they had another knife that had been in ice that was really cold. 
And they swapped the knives out and they put that knife on his back. And they were amazed that they had to rush him to an emergency room because he had third degree burns. How could you get third degree burns from a knife that was just sitting in ice and was cold? His mind. See, Satan knows this. Every bondage that you're walking in today is in your mind. It's not in your spirit. Right? So, so we have to understand this. The tempter. Notice Satan didn't come as some T-Rex or some Bengal tiger, intimidating, yelling, loud. No, came subtle. Subtle, that's the way he comes to you, right? He'll come to you and he'll put his arm around you and say, you know, Tony, have you really thought, gosh, you know, you've been believing God for a while now, but nothing's changed. I wonder, wonder why that is, right? And, oh, you know, did you remember that one Rhema minister that died of the same condition 20 years ago? And, oh, you know, remember in your family line, oh, my gosh, your, your father or this or that. That's what he does. He questions, and he gives you options. He's the great option giver. So it says here, now the serpent was more subtle, this, this word subtle means cunning, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said. Notice immediately he starts coming against the word of God. Now what are we talking about? Authority. Satan does not want you to know you have authority, and he does not want to know, he doesn't want you to know that as you speak, God's words, it brings him on the scene. Then any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of any tree of the garden? Did God tell you that you couldn't eat of every tree in this garden? And, it, and then the woman said unto the serpent, that was her first, first mistake. She should have said, Satan, shut up. And get out. I've been given dominion over you. You get out of here. You have no place here. See, in the same way, don't play with the enemy. You're no match for him. No match for him in the area of deception. He is no match for you if you stay in Christ. What, that, what I mean by that is live out of your spirit. Right? So now... It says here, we, she answered him. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of, garden, the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Again, lest you in dying you shall die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. I mean, could you imagine Come on, Eve, die. What, what is that? Nothing's dying around here. Kind of like with Noah. What are you doing? Oh, I'm building an ark. You're building a what? Well, I'm building an ark because it's going to rain on the earth. And there's going to be a flood. Rain. Noah, what, what's rain? It never rained on the earth. 
It's amazing how subtle Satan is. See, we think about, well, that's then, but not now. No, no, Satan will tell you things, and if you listen to him, you will actually think nobody else has ever gone through what you're going through. You'll, he'll deceive you that way, right? And he said, you shall surely not die. In other words, now, this is the way Satan is. He comes subtly, but then he's aggressive. You give him an inch, and then he takes three inches, and then what does he always do, though? He comes against the word of God. Why? Because according to New Testament truth, what, what heals your body? What changes your circumstances? What does everything in your life? You know God's word. God's word is what fixes everything and turns everything, grows everything. So Satan always comes against God's word. Satan comes against, surely you shall not die, and then he says this, for in the day, for God knows that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, you'll be as gods. Guess what? Adam and Eve were the gods of this earth, small g. They already were. Satan, Satan will twist. He's wicked. That means twisted. He twists truth. And then it says, knowing good and evil. Was that true? Yeah, if they ate of the tree, they would know good and evil. Do you know God never, never created them to know evil? Right? In other words, what did Satan do? Listen, this is why God said that, because he knows, in other words, he's now trying to erode their trust of who God is. Listen, God's trying to keep stuff from you. And how does he do that? He gives you other options. Satan is the great option giver. In other words, how does Satan take a believer and cause them never to walk in their authority. He'll give them other options in their life. They'll run around doing all this behavior that's contrary to the word because they want to. And then, but then part of them really loves, loves God and wants to, see, wants to live for him and can't figure out why nothing's working. Right? But the word of God always works if you work it. And then he'll give you other options, and he'll always come against the word. Well, you know, that's not really working. Come on, you've been trying that, you know, for 30 years, and it's never worked. Well, the reason why it's never worked is because you, you've been trying it. God never says for us to try anything. We do. You guys doing okay? This is good. So we're seeing some picture. Now, look at verse 6. Genesis chapter 3, when the woman, now look at this, because of what he did, he deceived her and all of a sudden now, her focus is not on who God is and keeping her eyes there, now she's looking at this tree and she saw that this tree was good for food. Well, did she know that before? Obviously. But what happened when she started looking at it? This Hebrew word, look, we don't have time. It's real interesting. 
she started looking, peering into it, and she saw that this tree was good for food. What is that? The lust of the flesh. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. She saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. Come on, Eve, you're in the Garden of Eden. Everything is pleasant to your eyes. When you keep your eyes on the Lord, everything. Have you ever noticed that? When you're, when you're walking in fellowship with God, the grass is greener, the flowers look better, everything looks better. You hit a pothole and you don't even care. Right? But when you're looking at other things, everything bothers you. The lust of the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. What is that? The pride of life. Hey, Eve, look at this tree. It has the ability to make you wise. And she had access. The God of heaven would come down in the cool of the day every day and walk and fellowship with them. She had access to all knowledge, all wisdom. Now she's looking to a tree. Don't we do the same thing today? Go to Fairfield, Iowa. They have what's called the observatory there. It's out in, they have a little new age city out in, in north of it called Vedic City. And you got the Raj, which is a new age thing. And then right next to it is the observatory. And you could go have your star charts read. And, and they worship little idols and stones. And they worship things that they created. I mean, only Satan can deceive somebody to do that. Let me create this little thing. Let me put a little Buddha or a cat in my restaurant and, and a created thing is going to bless me. Are you kidding me? It's, it's foolish. But do we look at them as fools? Well, they are fools. And we know they're fools because we've been fools. We've done stuff. When I played basketball... When I ran out on a court, I could not step on the out-of-bounds line. If I'm running, and I'm running, you know, I'd stop, jump over the line, because I couldn't touch it, otherwise I was going to have a bad game. Are you kidding me? Right? There's some people, that man, in a service, God's moving, they came down and they stood right there, and God healed their body instantly. Two years later, they come down for healing and they're all excited and then somebody comes down and stands in their spot and they're like, what am I going to do? Like God can't do anything except that spot, I, right? Let me, let me hit home a little closer. You know, I, I only confessed, I only confessed Galatians 3.13 six times today I'm not going to be able to be healed because I didn't confess it enough. Oh, so you're your healer now. Right? It's the same stuff. And this is because who gives you that thought? You're not confessing enough. You're not praying enough. This is what you need to do. And pretty soon you got the word of faith person going, okay, I got to confess the word. And oh, I got to pray all the time. And then this, and then, oh gosh, I gotta love my husband, I gotta love my wife, I gotta, I gotta do all this. Pretty soon you got 50 balls up in the air, it's nine o'clock in the morning, and you drop them all, and then you're like, oh, here we go again. 
right? How am I ever? And then you go to the doctor that day and the report looks like everything went south and you're like going, oh my gosh, I'm toast. When all the time you have been given all the authority and you're not trying to get healed, you're the healed that, that should stand in your authority and tell sickness and disease to get out of your body. Right? Receive, just lay hold of what God's already given you. It's all the same. Hope this is helping you. It says, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her. What? Are you kidding me? Adam was standing right there. So why in the world did he not go, hey, whoa, time out, Eve, hold on one second. I know he's deceptive. Satan, listen, shut up and get out. But what did Adam do? He does what so many husbands do. Gosh, I don't want to upset her. Right? I like what Rick Renner said. He said, you know, we talk about Jezebel, but you can't have a Jezebel without an Ahab. So here's Adam. The Bible even says she was deceived, but he wasn't deceived. In other words, he didn't look at that tree and saw that it was good for food, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. He's sitting there listening, letting Satan talk to him. Have you ever laid in your bed with a headache? Man, this is getting bad. You know, sometimes on Tuesday morning, man, I'll be sitting in my chair and I'll wake up and I'm queasy. My head is pounding. And I'm just like, oh, I just need to call Pastor Dave. He's going to have to teach for me this morning. You know, I'm just not, I'm not feeling good. And I sit there and the enemy's talking to me. Yeah, this is going to get worse. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it is getting worse. I'm talking to him. Now, I'm not even Adam. I, I've got the Spirit of God in me now. And I'm still doing this. And then all of a sudden you go, what? whoa, time out. No, 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 no. No, headache, you leave me now in Jesus' name. Stomach, stop being queasy. Right? The Lord's sitting there going, drink some water. Drink water. No, not Brussels sprouts. Yeah. God, God is a good God, okay? He would not, you know. But all of a sudden, that thing will leave, and, and I'll come to men's Bible study, and we'll have a great time. But we, we te- see, it's so easy. And in our society, guys, do you know we are the most spiritual, uh, spiritually illiterate generation in the church, and we have more access to the Word of God? But if you go to people's lives, there's dust all over Bibles, Right? Well, yeah, I don't use my Bible. I just have my, my, my little you know, iPhone or my iPad. Okay, great. Do you ever use it? Oh, well, no, but I have it. Right? So why is that? It's because we're so distracted. I've got, you know, I've got 14 meetings. I've got 50 emails a day or 100 emails a day. And I've got this happening and that happening. It's, it's amazing. Right? I mean, I'm a pastor. I only work a couple times a week. And, uh, you know, I'm joking. 
And you know, I could be so busy all day, every day, and all night, every night, that I'd never get in the Word. And just like you, all of us are so busy. But we get deceived. Because people are doing this. They're sitting in their chair, watching four or five hours a night of TV, wondering why they have no time to get in the Word. No time to get in the Word. You're just like Eve here. So here's Adam. I mean, look at this. Man, I started preaching so much, I lost my place. (laughs) But look at this. Her husband was with her. She took the fruit thereof. She ate. Now, could you imagine what happened when she ate the fruit? Immediately, Hebrew word die. In dying, you shall die physically. So as soon as she bit that... In other words, as soon as she sinned, what does that mean? She missed the mark. As soon as she did what God told her not to do. Does God have rules because he doesn't want you to have any fun? No. God is life, and he does not want you to experience death. But as soon as she, with her own will, chose to bite the fruit, guess what? You know, it says after the fall, they knew that they were naked. You know why it was after the fall? Because they were clothed in the very glory of God. When Jesus was transfigured, the Bible says that light came out of him that was brighter than the sun. They were walking in the glory of God, and the minute she ate the fruit, her light went out. And here's Adam, the minute he saw it. See, Adam didn't eat the fruit because of the tree, making him wise and all this stuff. He ate the fruit because this woman, who was his life partner, who he loved, see, he knew, I'm completely separated from her right now. She just changed. And so, see, the Bible says Adam was not deceived. He committed high treason. Well, did he go, you know, God, I'm just going to get you. No. He does what you and I do. He chose his wife over God. And he's like, I want to be with her. And he ate the fruit. And wow, then his light went out. Right? So immediately, so what happened now? Now, think about this. They had all authority in the earth. But when they, we learned from New Testament truth... When they chose to violate the word of God, see, whoever you submit to, you give your authority to. They handed the authority in the earth over to Satan. So now, Jesus called him, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world system. He's not the God of the earth. He doesn't own the earth. Guess who owns the earth? God the Father. Guess who's a co-heir? Jesus And us. So do you realize you own the planet that you're paying a house payment for? I wonder if God would help you with that. Right? So it says here, so he did eat, and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now rabbinical teaching puts the Garden of Eden, it was called the place of the Adams. It was in the same region where Jesus cursed the fig tree. 
a lot of people believe one of the reasons why he cursed the fig tree is because Jesus is like, listen, this is in the region where Adam and Eve would have took fig leaves and covered themselves. And Jesus, as the Messiah, the Father told him to curse the tree. No man's ever going to eat fruit of you again. In other words, man sins. I'm not here to cover anything. Man sins are not going to be covered. I'm going to wash them away. Man's sins are never to be covered again. I'm here to take away the sin of the whole world. Didn't John say that? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. It says here, they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, like always. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So instantly, instantly, you see that with spiritual death, and you you lose this, you're instantly wanting to hide yourself and hide things. You know, people do that in their life. They've got secret sin that they don't want anybody to know about. Man, meet somebody who's been free. They don't care if everybody knows. Because why? You're free. That's not me. Right? Right? But they hid themselves. And now think about that. They walked with God. You wouldn't think they would know he's all-knowing. Why hide yourself like he wouldn't know where you are? If God played hide-and-seek, he'd always win. Because he knows everything. Right? So it says here, They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Isn't that interesting? Spiritual death will cause you to want to hide from the presence of the Lord, the writing there, the presence of God. The children of Israel had an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Unbelief causes you to depart. Always. And it says, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Now, this King James translator really messed this up. Are you kidding me? God knew where they were. In the Hebrew language, it would read, Adam, why are you where you are? Why? Why are you where you are? See, in other words, even from Genesis, do you realize the whole Bible is is a story about God pursuing man? Verse 10 And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Hmm. First time you ever see fear is after spiritual death. Do you know it's impossible for you to fear unless you choose to live out of your flesh? Because you don't have a spirit of fear. Your spirit is filled with power and love And soundness of mind. In other words, it causes soundness of mind to be in your soulish realm. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree whereof I commanded you that you should not eat? Now here is God in all of his mercy giving Adam an opportunity to come clean. It's real interesting. You know, and I don't know. What if Adam would have said, oh my gosh, fell on his face and said, Father, have mercy on me. Eve, have mercy on me. We shouldn't have done this. He's the God of all mercy. 
But we don't know because that, that didn't happen. Because they were spiritually dead. So what was the first thing they did? I mean, here's Adam. Knowing who God was, but he didn't know him anymore. The way he did. And he immediately started pointing the finger. And he, the, the initial finger he pointed at was God and the woman. Everybody else. The woman you gave me, God, she's the reason why I ate this fruit. But actually, you're really ultimately the reason because you gave her to me. Spiritual death always blames everybody else. You know, the road to freedom for any addict is to know that they have a problem. To take responsibility and go, okay, this is not because of anything else in my life. I chose this. That's the first step to actually getting free from stuff. The woman that you gave me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent. See, we're always blaming somebody else. The serpent, look at this, beguiled me. It's the Hebrew word. It means the serpent deceived me. He seduced me and he led me astray. That's what Satan does. That's how he comes against you if you ever try to stand in your authority. He'll deceive you, he'll seduce you, and he will lead you astray. He'll use offense, which is an offense. The, the Greek word offense literally means you're entrapped, you're tripped up, and you're caused to distrust something that you should trust. That's actually the Hebrew and the Greek definition of that word. Look at what Jesus, so, so this is how man lost the authority. Now if we go to Matthew chapter 3, look at what happened with Jesus now. Matthew chapter 3 verse 16. I've got to lay this foundation because I want you to see as we get into this the whole picture so that you know that you know that you know. There will be none of this in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. No, it's going to be in the mouth of 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 witnesses. There's going to be scripture after scripture after scripture that is going to just be right in our faces showing us that we now have been given authority, the authority of Jesus Christ in the earth. We have to have that, guys. Because the enemy doesn't play by the rules. All this stuff going on in the world, you see, you can see the satanic tyranny behind it. He's pulling all the strings. If Satan doesn't like an outcome, he tries to change the rules so that he wins. And he's trying to subdue, disable from future. He wants to shut the church down forever. But he, he'll never be able to do it. And Jesus, Matthew 3, 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, <clears throat> now this was in the River Jordan, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. So we know from other scripture, when he was baptized in the River Jordan, the Holy Spirit came upon him and Jesus literally, the Bible says, had the fullness of the Spirit. You and I have a measure, but if you take all of us together on the earth as the body of Christ, we have the fullness. 
but the whole fullness came upon him. The next thing we see, Acts 10, 38, it tells us what happened. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. When did he do that? When he was baptized. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. It says, and with power. It would read in the Greek, with the Holy Ghost, even with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So now we see, see, this is why Jesus, although he was all God, laid down his godly attributes and lived on this earth as a man anointed by God. If he was operating as God, he would not have needed to be anointed. But he lived as a man, so he was a, lived as a man anointed by God in the same way that you and I are to live. We are men and women who are anointed by God. John 14.10 says this. Jesus talking, he says, now... He says, believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? See, Philip, Philip's coming to him and he's saying, hey, Jesus, show us the Father and it'll be enough for us. And, and Jesus looks at, looks at Philip and goes, Philip, have I been so long with you? Right? And you're asking me to show you the Father? Philip, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then it comes into here. Believe now not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me does, the, he does the works. So in other words, every miracle, everything that Jesus ever did, it was the Father doing them. In the same way that we do the works of Jesus, but it's really Jesus doing the works through us. So listen, take the pressure off yourself. When you lay hands on somebody, it's not your job to heal them, right? Well, gosh, I can't tell anybody about Jesus because, you know, I just, I haven't taken a lifestyle evangelism class and I haven't sat through this and I've, I've not read any book. Who cares? Be a witness. Do you think a witness in a courtroom, they study how to be a witness before they get up there? No, they just tell what they've experienced and what's happened in their life and what they saw. Right? It says here, the Father does the works. Verse 12, then he goes, then he says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works, wow, shall he do, because I go to the Father. Well, What's another scripture that's in line with that? The Bible says, as Jesus is. Not as he was when he was on the earth, but as he is right now, seated at the right hand of his Father with all authority. As he is, so are you in this world. Wow. See, this is going to start, hopefully when you start seeing and getting a revelation of some of this, you're going to be like, wait a minute. What I'm facing Versus who I am in Christ. There's no comparison here. Hopefully you'll start going, man, God has a future for me. And, and what I've done in my past is not going to affect my future because of who I am in Christ. 
He has made all things new in my life. I love that. So now let's look at Luke chapter 4. Go to Luke chapter 4. Let's look at the temptation of Jesus. This is all part of this authority of the believer. We're getting a picture. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. It says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan. So he just got baptized. The fullness of the Spirit came upon him. And now... He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Okay? Being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Now medical science will tell us when you fast, have you ever fasted? It's brutal. I've never fasted for more than three days. Actually, the first three days are brutal because your body's talking to you. Everything sounds good. I mean, even McDonald's sounds good, right? You know, at about day two, day three, right? So, but after day three, hunger will kind of subside and kind of go away. But on day 40, you've depleted every, every storehouse in your body and, and, and massive hunger comes back because your body's screaming at you, you need to eat or you're going to die. And that's what this happens. So, so here's Satan tempting Jesus for 40 days. And after this 40 days, he was hungry. And at that point in time, at the end of 40 days, it says, and the devil said unto him. Now, how did the devil say it to him? The devil came in his thoughts. He said, if you be the son of God, he came against his identity. I'm telling you, we're living in a time. Why do you think Satan wants masks over our nose and our mouth? Psychologically, it says it causes a person over time to lose their identity. So that means, that means if you're wearing a mask because there's a mask mandate or whatever, you need to speak twice over yourself about your identity. You, need, you just need to be doing it because you can't let that mask affect you. And pray for children. Because they're being the most affected. Right? This is so important. Guys, everything you face in the natural realm, realize the enemy wants to stop the church. So don't get, don't get all sidetracked by looking at all this natural stuff. Let the Holy Spirit lead you so you see the real. Right? Let's pray and get rid of this virus so we get rid of the masks. Right? Let's take our authority. You, you can no longer, you, you can't attack my body. I'm a Psalm 91 Christian. But he said, if you be the son of God, command this stone to be made bread. Look at that. Satan comes right after your weakest point. But Jesus answered him and said, it is written. He answered him with the word of God in the same way that you have to answer him. The Bible says, submit yourself to the Lord, to God, Resist the devil. How do you resist them? It is written, and the devil will always flee from you. The problem is, a lot of Christians are trying to resist the devil, but they're not submitted to God. I don't honor God here. I do what I want to do. I, I read my Bible when I want to read it. I go to church when I want to go to church. I don't do this. I don't do that. But Satan, get out of my life. 
he will sit there and look at you as a spirit-filled believer with all the authority and he will laugh in your face. The Bible says, let the word of God dwell richly in you. So that's how come when you command something to leave your, leave your life or your body, many times nothing happens right away. Because those demons, those principalities, Satan is looking at you going, is this something he's just quoting because Pastor Tony said it on a Sunday? Or is this actually dwelling in you richly? Right? Terry Mize was, uh, and I really want to have Terry come here. He, you talk about teaching on the authority of the believer. Wow. This is kindergarten compared to what he does. But Terry Mize was a missionary. And when T.L. Osborne met him for the first time, he goes, man, I've heard about you. Terry was a young man. He tells this story. He goes, I've heard about you. He goes, you, you're one of those that will stay until the devil leaves. And that needs to be you and I. Satan, I'm not moving. I'm staying in a position of submission to my Lord. And I'm, stay, I'm resisting you. And I'm not moving. You will, sickness, you will leave my body. All this nonsense that you're doing in my life, it will change. It, I'm not moving. The word of God says, it is written, it is written, it is written. I'm telling you, the word's true. I love that. So then the devil taking him up to a high mountain, verse 5, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. How did he do that? In his thoughts. And the devil said unto him, all this power, it's the Greek word excusia. It literally means delegated authority. All this delegated authority will I give you and the glory of them, for it is delivered unto me. That word delivered means it was transferred to me. When was all of it transferred? In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve ate of that tree. They transferred it all to Satan. Okay? So you got to see this because you've been literally, legally given authority, and Satan can't take that back. It was transferred unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If you therefore will worship me, all will be yours. In other words, Jesus, listen, you don't have to go through all this stuff. Just fall down right now, and you could have everything you're here to have. All the nations, all the glory of all of it. In other words, Satan was trying to tempt Jesus to do it his way and not God's way. In the same way, he'll come to you. He'll give you options. Man, if you do this, you could have everything right now. You've got to look down on the inside of you. Because God's way is not always the right now way. Because God doesn't just want to give you a fish. He wants to teach you how to fish. He doesn't want to just give you victory. He wants to teach you how to live victorious. If you'll therefore worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You'll worship the Lord your God, and him only shall thou serve. Right? So now we see this whole thing happening. The dividing line of the Bible, right? John 10.10. 10, the thief comes not, but for to steal. What's he coming to steal? The word of God out of your mouth. And to kill and to destroy. Do you know he can't kill and destroy if he doesn't steal the word? But I am come that they might have life. The very life, the very essence of life that God has. And that they might have it more abundantly. 
See, all the destruction, all the pain, all the evil that is in the world is because man has a free will and man has chosen wrongly. But it doesn't have to be that way now that Jesus came. Luke chapter 4, verse 9. And he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written, He'll give his angels charge over you to keep you. Now, now notice, now Satan's quoting scripture, because Jesus was quoting scripture. He's been doing that for the very beginning. He watched God the Father as he was leading worship in heaven. He watched God the Father speak and do things. And so, what did he start doing? When he fell, I will ascend. I will. He started confessing a positive confession. I'll be like the Most High. The problem with that, he was speaking his own words, not God's words. And then it says, and then God said, and good feeling gone, right? (laughs) And he brought him to this temple. Verse 11, and in their hands they'll bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, said unto him, Look at this. He said unto him, it is said, or it is written, thou shalt not tempt. Okay, Satan, let me tell you about my identity. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. See, he knew who he was. Why did he know who he was? He was full of the Spirit. He was full of the Word of God. Right? And when the devil had ended all the temptation, look at this. He departed from him for a season. In the same way, he'll depart from you from time to time. But he departed for a season. So he'll come back. Verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went, a fame out of, uh, there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. So, and, and we're running out of time here, so I'm going to kind of come down to the end of this story Jesus, you got to know this. Jesus was not walking in the power of the Spirit after this event because he overcame the temptation. A lot of people read this and they think, well, Jesus, after he kicked Satan's butt, man, because Satan brought everything against him and now Now, because he overcame that, he came down walking in the fullness of the Spirit. No. He was not walking in the fullness of the Spirit because he overcame the enemy. He overcame the enemy because he was walking in the fullness of the Spirit. you got to get this right. In other words, having done all to stand, we stand. You prepare to stand. Does that make sense? He was already strong. Satan does does not ever make us strong God makes us strong in him. You do not automatically come out of battles stronger. You come out of battles victoriously because you are already strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We have to get this right. It's not the word of God that I know. It's the God of the word that I know. We got to get this right. I love this. Hallelujah. Let's close with Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 18. So now we're fast forwarding. Jesus 
has been three, three and a half years in his earthly ministry. He went to the cross. He died for our sins. He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He put his blood on, on the mercy seat. He came back the same day. He's appearing to his disciples. And now, in his resurrected body, appearing to his disciples, and Jesus came, Matthew 28, 18, and came unto them saying, all power, interesting. It's the Greek word excusia. Remember Satan says, the excusia was given, was transferred to me. Now Jesus comes out of the grave, he's resurrected, and he's saying, he appears to his disciples, and he says, guys, all excusia, all delegated authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. And then he says, go therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. In other words, Jesus got the authority back so that we would have authority in the earth. You as a child of God, the moment you got born again, were given Jesus' authority. How much does he have? All. So does that mean there's anything that you're lacking? No. This is why in Ephesians it says you're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You're given all things that pertain to life and godliness right now. All the epistles are to tell you who you are and who Jesus is and what to do with it. It's, it's not to make you more righteous. It's so that you become aware that you're righteous. It's not to give you more authority. It's to make you aware of all the authority that you've already been given. The Bible says things like whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Right? This is, we're, we're, we're world overcomers. So we've been given authority in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Word and the Spirit. We have both of those dynamics working in our lives. In other words, you have been authorized and empowered. And why do we teach this? Because when you get a revelation that you've been authorized and empowered by God, it will change the way you live. It will affect your behavior. Now, if you just have it here, it won't. You'll forget about it when you're eating lunch. But if you'll have ears to hear and you'll meditate on it so that the word falls down in your heart, it'll change everything in your life. Isn't that good news? See, why do people live putting their family first and putting everything before God? It's because they don't know who they are. Because if they knew who they were, they would realize, if I put first him and I give him first place in everything, now that is the road for me to live the abundant Zoe life of God I'll have a lot more time for my family. I'll have time for everything, and everything will work better. But people don't want to do that, especially in America. I keep telling God all the time, I'm like, man, 
before I leave this planet, I want to pastor in revival. I want to pastor where we, we, we just, you know, there's so many people and they're just hungering. There's people sleeping out here because they got to hear the word. But you know, we're starting to see it. You know, I had a guy drive three hours to meet with me for an hour and a half and drive three hours back because he was hungry. Hunger for God. How do you get hungry? You feed on him. The days of this great man of God and great woman of God thing, get rid of it. There is no great men of God. There is no great women of God. There is a great God that uses anybody who will press into him because all of us are his kids. I mean, this is what it's all about. Amen?